So I wanted to jump on the podcast and just say hello because I feel a little bit like I'm neglecting you. I'm still completely mired in the book and all of my waking hours are taken up with trying to finish the book. And I'm really close now. I can I can see the finishing line. I can smell the finishing line. I don't quite know what the finishing line smells of. I would like to think that it would be chocolate milk and the fragrance of my friends. I don't feel like I've seen anything or I certainly haven't seen anyone in months. But I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm just hacking at my word count, I'm getting there. Listen, publisher, man, if you are listening to this podcast, I am getting there any day now, I promise. Listen, while I'm here, I just wanted to say, if you are thinking about writing a book, and that's not beyond the realms of comprehension, I have a very creative and opinionated audience, and writing a book seems like a good thing to do. It certainly was something that I felt like I wanted to do for a long period of my life. Before I put my fingers on the keyboard, I just want to say that if you are thinking of writing a book, I don't want to be someone who would dissuade you from following your dreams. Although if your dream is something like building a flying machine out of egg cartons to fly to the moon, then that's maybe it's worth having another dream. I don't want to endorse you combusting as you inch ever closer to the sun's ultraviolet rays, get a different dream. But if your dream is to write a book, think think about it, think about it. Just ask yourself, do you want this shit in your life? Or would you like to be happy? Write a book or be happy. These are your options. Write a book or be happy. Maybe it'll change when the book is, is, is out. Maybe I'll be happy then. We'll see, won't we? We'll see. Maybe this podcast read will just go quiet and you'll never hear from me again. And that is because I have expired due to the stress and the pressure of trying to finish this thing. But let's hope not, eh? Let's hope not. What did I want to talk to you about? Well, I thought I'd talk a little bit about what I've been listening to lately. I've been listening to the Chewway Army record, Replicas, from 1979, which is quite a big surprise to me because Gary Newman, of which he is the fulcrum which that group hung around I've never been like the biggest fan I'm not hugely into industrial music I am into electronic music and therefore I've always had a begrudging appreciation of him because he's so important to that style of music but I feel a little bit like Gary Newman has been adopted by the industrial set and I like Nanny Snails but I didn't always like Nanny Snails it took a it took me quite far into my 20s before I realized that they were a band that were really good and not just a band that made music in the local alternative nightclub when I was a teenager that I would sit out, that I would go to the bar, so to speak, and hope that they would get around to playing some Britpop again at some point. But And I've, I've sort of, as a older, got a little bit of an appreciation for things like Suicide or Ministry, really like Ministry, or Throbbing Gristle, really like Throbbing Gristle. But these are things that I came to a lot later, and Gary Newman was someone who I had sort of just skipped over, really, which is surprising to me now because God is good. God, that record is amazing. It doesn't really matter to me that if a band make a record and it predicts the future, that it's a nod to the future. I'm not bothered about that, really. I I want my musicians to say interesting things and to make great tunes. I'm not bothered about them being Nostradamus-esque and looking into the void and telling us what's going to come next. That's not what I come to music for. As I'm sure you're aware of by now, my favourite band are the Ramones, and the Ramones are a band that very much look backwards for most of their career. I mean, they look backwards and they take what came prior to them and they do something quite different with it. They put it through the filter of the Ramones and make it their own. But but if it rocks or if it's exciting, that's all that matters to me. I'm not really into soothsayers as pop musicians. But it's impossible to listen to this album, Replicas, and not think, crikey, he was surfing the zeitgeist. 1979, the higher punk, 
famously Newman was irritated by being caught up within that scene. He was thinking about things that were more fantastical than that. Replicas is sort of not really kind of could probably have been more if he'd given it a bit more thought. But hey, it doesn't matter because it's a great record. It's it's kind of a concept record, really. It's all about replicants. It's very much enthralled to Philip K. Dick. You'll know that record because it's got our friends Electric on it, which is which is a big hit. You hear that song all the time. It's the it's the Sugar Babes song, but it's also got the song Down in the Park on there. That's an amazing song. There's actually a really good Foo Fighters version of that song uh, that's on the X Files record that came out in 1996. Uh, songs in the key of X. There's loads of alt rock people on that record. It's also got the worst record sleeve that I can possibly imagine. I mean, if I think about it, there's probably worse ones. If you type into Google worst record sleeves ever there are some belters on there but it's a pretty bad record sleeve just because it's a picture of of an alien of a grey that that subset of aliens that we call greys but it's seemingly done by someone with a blindfold on but anyway yeah yeah down in the park that's uh, the Foo Fighters cover on that record and it's really good so I've been listening to that a lot but I've also been listening to some new music Skindred have got a new record that comes out this week and whilst I've never been the biggest of Skindred fans, I'm a big fan of Dub War, which is Benji Webb, the singer's other band. I was watching them when I was a teenager. And there are plenty of Skindred songs that I like, and records in fact. Union Black, their, their fourth record from 2011, I think it is. That's a really great record. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I've always thought Benji Webb is a really great singer, frontman, personalities. He's a very, very good rock star. I also, just while I'm here, just something I was thinking about today, I, I used to edit Kerrang! magazine, I've told you this before. We got Benji to host one of the awards once. He was the guy that was on stage and quipping jokes and presenting awards to people. He was co-hosting with Justin Hawkins from The Darkness and it was very funny, two great modern rock personalities. And there was a bit during the ceremony where he had to give an award to Baby Metal, which are or were then three young Japanese women, kind of from that idol scene, but with a with a rock with a rock twist to it. And and they didn't really understand the language. You had a translator with them, and Benji saw it, made a bit of a joke, and it wasn't in any way anything. I mean, it was maybe rude, but it was rude in a comedic way. It wasn't it wasn't tinged with any sort of malignance. And he got loads of accusations of racism. There was loads of people in the crowd that said, you're racist, Benji Webb, which frankly is fucking appalling, given that for the majority of Benji Webb's career, when he's walked into a room, he is the only black man in that room because the rock scene is very, very white. Not really by design, but that's kind of how things have ended up and thankfully things are changing and there's more diversity in the scene and that's that's brilliant. But to accuse Benji Webb, for decades, basically the most significant black man in British rock music has been racist, like, hmm, that can fuck off. But this new record's called Smart mile and it's a, it's an eclectic record there's some classic skindred bangers on there there's give me the boom life that's free and there's also moments where it veers into reggae which has always been a big part of what skindred do but i don't know loads about reggae i will be honest with you it's not totally i'll be honest with you it's sort of mid-table in the list of music that i'm interested in as i get older because this just happens to old white men the, the older you, the older old white men get, they realise that dub and reggae and kind of that classic ska thing is basically the best music ever made. All right, you know, you make an argument for soul or 50s rock and roll or punk rock and it's rawest, but, you know, really that kind of uh, stripped back sound system, kind of Windrush era, Jamaican birth reggae, that's, that's kind of the best music ever made, really. I'm not totally familiar with it. I know the bits, I know King Tubby, I know Lee Scratch Perry. These are things that I like. 
But I wouldn't say that I'm yet a real aficionado of that music. I don't know loads about it. I did, however, interview Lee Scratch Perry a number of years ago for The Observer. That was a disastrous interview. A real thrill to speak to someone who's made so many great songs and is such an icon and such a, such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Eccentric maverick? I suppose mavericks are by their very nature eccentric. But he, that was a real thrill to be doing that interview. But it was kind of a few years before he died. He, he wasn't, his hearing wasn't amazing. His speaking voice was very mumbled and very garbled. And it was a frustrating experience to interview him. And what happened is in the end, I had to send questions to his wife. I had to speak them into WhatsApp to his wife, where she would then read the questions to Lee and he would answer them and then she would send me the recordings back. It was, it was, I don't know, I don't know whether Paxman could have handled it, you know, if you're going to say that Paxman or uh, 70s Parkinson is are amongst the greatest interviewers that the, the discourse have ever heard, I'm, I'd like to throw myself, I'd like to throw my hat, I don't have a hat, I would like to throw my metaphysical hat into the ring and, and you know, say that I, I, earned, I earned my chops, you know, I imagine if you got paid in chops. You don't get paid with music journalism enough as it is, but imagine if I got paid in shops. Anyway, it was it was a, a strange experience. Also, he was uh, Lee was promoting a new Trojan Records documentary, and uh, he proceeded to spend a large proportion of the interview bemoaning Trojan Records and uh, critiquing their business practices and basically accusing them of being in league with Satan. Um, that was good, but you know, like I say, there was this buffer of his wife. Very nice, by the way. His wife was very nice between me and him. I've totally gone off tangent. I was talking about Skindred. So listen, there's kind of, you know, there's a bit of that reggae thing that Skindred do on the record. There's, and they do that in very different ways. There's a song called Love, Smile Please, which is reggae pop, for want of a better term. It's almost like Azwad or something. It's, you know, it's very summery, it's very sugary, it's very smiley in fitting with the record being a smile. But then there's also a record called Disappointed Love, which is, for me, like a much more classic take on reggae. And bearing in mind, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I read an interview the other day where Benji was talking about his frustration about music journalists describing that band as being kind of a British take on bad brains and I, and I get that because that's totally something that I imagine I'm sure, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything I've ever written but I'm sure I've referenced bad brains when I've been writing about Skindred or even Dub War before but really as he says you know if you don't know anything about reggae then you know, it's a very obvious, uh, they're very obvious group to compare them to, but I don't think it's the end of the world if you're being compared to Bad Brains, given that Bad Brains are fucking Bad Brains. But listen, the reason I wanted to talk about this Kindred record on this episode is because I just think that band are good people. I don't know them very well, I've had limited interactions with them, but I think they're unquestionably good people. They've been around for a long time, they've just kept going, they haven't always had the breaks I think they deserve. If you've ever seen them at a festival, they're totally the moment in the afternoon where everyone takes their shirts off and goes fucking bananas, proper feral-like. And they're really hustling this week for a number one record, the pre-sales and the official charts company. It's always really strange to me that with the charts, when they... They turn up in the middle of the week and they say, oh, so-and-so is on course to have a number one record. That was previously privileged information and it was only something that you found out if you were in the industry. But they do this now and it sort of makes the week, I guess it's a bit more exciting if you're rooting for a band to have a have a good chart position. And it engages fans and it's not just an industry thing anymore and blah, 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 blah. However... Skindred seem like on Friday they could have a really good chart result, which I think is something that they deserve. I think that if they were to have a number one record or even a top three record, that would be something that I think that would reward them for their toil and their commitment and their dedication to the cause of rock 
And people who are always there and people who are constant and consistent, they don't always get the rewards they deserve. So, so if you've ever liked Skindred or been a bit curious about what they do, I think you should go out and buy that record. I think it would be amazing to see them at the top of the pops, so to speak. I wish Top of the Pops existed. Can you imagine Benji Webb on Top of the Pops? That would be wild. I have to say though, when I was listening to that record, I did hear a song and I thought, fucking hell, this is amazing. And it transpired that it wasn't actually Skindred, it was Fear Factory with Lynchpin and my Spotify had gone on to shuffle. But hey, listen, whatever, that's a really good song. You should go listen to my interview with Dino from Fear Factory, by the way. I think it's a bit of a lost gem in the podography. You just scroll a couple of episodes back. It was a really interesting episode. It took him about 10 minutes before he was talking about porn. But, you know, we got into some more highbrow stuff after that. Listen, while I'm at it, I'm going to say this in the middle of the episode rather than say at the end, because chances are, that you know, you might have drifted off. A lot of people say they listen to these solo episodes while they're sleeping, which is quite frightening to me, really, given thinking that you'll be lying there with your head on the pillow and you've got my voice booming in your ears. But a lot of people say that they listen to the episodes as they, they fall asleep. AMSR, someone said to me the other day, not quite what I'm going for, but kind of what I'm going for, in a way, but, you know... Anyway, listen, if you've fallen asleep, then you won't hear this, so in which case, I hope you have a very nice, nice sleep. But if you're still awake, listen, get out of bed. You don't, you don't have to get dressed. Just put a dressing gown on, or sling a towel around you or whatever. Or even just, just let it all hang out. If you're lying in bed and you hear this and you enjoy this podcast, nothing would mean more to me. Like, literally nothing. I mean, maybe like a, a delivery of money and uh, chocolates to my door. I don't know, that'd be a bit creepy if you turn up unannounced. Nothing would matter to me much more than you going on Spotify or Apple and giving me a rating and a review. Just, just click the button. Just click the button. Just click it. Boom, 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 boom. I don't think. I don't even think you have to click it five times. But you know, five stars that'd be great. Really helps me cheat the algorithm. 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 Because I've got pretty good, I've got pretty good ratings on, on all the uh, podcast channels. But the other day, someone's obviously giving me a crap review on Spotify because I've gone down from four point eight to four point seven. That's no good, is it? Here I am, working my fingers to the bone, pouring my heart out, writing my book, trying to keep a roof above my head. It's not just me that I've got to feed. I've got two guinea pigs. I've got two guinea pigs. Do you really want to take hair out of their mouth? But it dropped to four point seven. So listen, if you, you know, if you want to give me a rating, that'd be really good. Let's get that back up again. But I haven't just been listening to Tubeway Army, and I haven't just been listening to Skindred. I also was listening to the new Miles Kane record, which is really good. I don't want to sound like surprised by saying that, because I've never really had much of an opinion on Miles Kane, really. I'm, I was never that bothered about the Rascals. I was never that bothered about the Last Shadow Puppets. I suppose if you were being mean, you could say, what has this guy got on people to still be hanging around? But I know loads of people, people at football that I hang out with, who love Miles Kane, and I just thought I'd investigate this new record, and it's really good. There's a song on there called The Best Is Yet To Come, and that's very super grassy, and you better know there's a child of Britpop, I love that stuff. But there's also a song on there called Never Taking Me Alive, which reminds me of Dan Sartain. You were Dan Sartain. Dan Sartain was this amazing garage rock musician from Mississippi, I believe it was. He passed away a couple of years ago. It was very sad. I wrote a bio for the enemy. I was really caught up about it because he died very tragically. It, I mean, there's some information about how he died that's never really come to light. But as a musician and as a personality, I thought he was fantastic. I saw him a bunch of times when he played in London during the noughties and when the scene was awash with Gary's rock types. But anyway, this th- this Miles Kane song, Never Taking Me Alive, reminds me of Dan Sartain, and that made me feel good for a while. 
There's also a song on there called Badger, which is maybe the record's best song, I think, perhaps. And it's about Roberto Baggio. I'm a big football guy. I used to love football Italia. So many iconic names from that time. Go Lazio! You know, he wasn't saying Lazio. I don't I can't quite remember what he was saying, but it wasn't Lazio. Actually, the football fanzine that I occasionally write for, it's, it's on hiatus at the moment because making a football fanzine eight times a season takes an awful lot of work. But I mean, I wasn't even the editor, I just wrote a column for it. But the football fanzine that I sporadically do things for, popular stand, which is the Doncaster Rovers fanzine, two-time Footballer Supporter Association fanzine of the year winners. We got given our award on the two occasions when we won by James Richardson, who used to be the voice of Football Italia. That was a lot of fun. I, I did mean to ask if he would record me a ringtone where he went, Golazio. But it wasn't him. It wasn't him that said Golazio. So, and it wasn't even Golazio. It was Gol something, something, something. An Italian word that I don't know. Oh, I'm getting all out of breath. I've drank too much coffee. I, I, I've, this is the other thing you need to ask yourself if you're going to write a book. How much coffee can you drink in a day? Because let me tell you, I'm really pushing my tolerance for coffee at the moment. But anyway. And here's something that I didn't know about Miles Kane. I'll tell you something that I do know about Miles Kane, actually, before I tell you something I didn't know. I went to the launch of the hot sauce that he released a couple of years ago. It was in Stratford at this chicken restaurant that a friend of mine runs. And he was doing this launch of this hot sauce that he was he was promoting or he put his name to. I can't imagine him being there in his flat with vats of chicken sauce with hot sauce churning it around going mm, that's just right that's i'll put my name to that but he did this he did this show in this chicken shop and i took some of the hot sauce home with me afterwards i enjoyed watching him play but you know i went home with the with the hot sauce fucking awful it was awful awful my, it's still in the fridge because every time i look at it, it makes me smile but my wife always says to me can we just get rid of that miles cane hot sauce because we're never going to use it because it's fucking awful but but much better than that is his music and what i didn't know about miles cane and i'm amazed i didn't know this because i absolutely fucking love this band is that he's the cousin of james and ian skelly from the coral what that's fucking insane how did i not know that and fittingly there's three songs on this record and I don't say this is any criticism whatsoever, given I think the Coral are one of the best bands of their era. There's three songs, Baggio and Ransom and Doubles, that have got that kind of Mersey beat stomp, that kind of dreaming of you thing that the Coral do so well. And it actually transpires that they produce a record. I don't know how I didn't know that. I've been doing this for such a long time, sitting in the enemy office all through my 20s. How did I not know? How did I not know that Miles Kane was related to two members of the Coral? Fucking crazy, that is. But anyway, again, if you think you know Miles Kane, maybe you don't. I thought I did, and this record's far better than I thought he was capable of. So I'm sorry about that, Miles Kane, but thank you for putting this record into my life because I'm enjoying it an awful lot. Okay, so I'm feeling a little bit nauseous thinking about Miles Kane's hot sauce, so I'm, I, I think I'm probably going to wrap up now. Also, I need to get back to the book. Have I told you that I'm writing a book? It's almost finished. I'm getting very, very close indeed. However, I'm not going to get any closer unless I sign off. So what have we learned on this episode? New music is great, old music is great, especially all music about people pretending to be robots. And you should really leave me a rating and review on the podcast provider that you use. I'll see you soon, friends.